So today we're taking a, a break, maybe a, a much-needed much break from the story of uh, the judges, and we're returning to the story of Ruth. Now, if you remember from my first sermon, if you were, you were here, um, the, the story of Ruth took place during the time of the judges. That's sort of why we're spiking it in to uh, Caleb's series on, on the book of Judges. And the story, this sort of simple four chapters of, of the story of Ruth, this sort of pastoral uh, story, gives... Um, answers a question that we, uh, we would be asking ourselves if we were to read, if, as we read the story of Judges. How in the world does God bring a king like David out of a sinful people like Israel? That's the question that the book of Ruth uh, seeks to answer. And we began last time I preached to answer this question by looking at three characters in uh, Ruth chapter 1 who were introduced. Uh, the Lord God in his mercy and judgment Naomi in her bitterness and emptiness, and Ruth in her self-sacrificial love. And this week, we, we see how God begins to respond to the, the, the dual crisis of Naomi and Ruth's life. There are two problems they have. They've come from exile in the land of Moab. Ruth has pledged herself to, the, to, uh, to Naomi as her daughter. And now there are two widows in, the, in, in a land where... You know, most of the time, widows aren't doing, don't do too well on their own, so they need food. And eventually, Ruth needs a husband. So these, that's the crisis, the two crises that we're facing. And in the narrative of uh, Ruth chapter 2, we begin to see how God answers this, these crises. And in this chapter, God reveals himself as generous and hospitable as he sustains and saves Ruth and Naomi from their desperate plight. And to see the many uh, the implications of, of God's generous hospitality today, we're going to be looking at this passage through three questions. Who, who is God in this passage? What does it teach us about God? What does this passage teach us about Jesus? And what does this passage teach us about humanity? So, generous hospitality of God, that's the theme today. And maybe when the word hospitality comes to mind, we have a lot of images and ideas that pop into our heads so I want to talk about what I mean by hospitality and what I don't mean by hospitality. Rosaria Butterfield, the author of The Gospel Comes with a House Key, distinguishes between counterfeit hospitality and Christian hospitality. This is what she says. Counterfeit hospitality seeks to impress and entertain. Counterfeit hospitality separates host and guest in ways that allow no blending of the two roles. It separates people into noble giver and needy receiver, or hired giver and privileged receiver. Counterfeit, counterfeit hospitality comes with strings attached. Christian hospitality comes with strangers becoming neighbors, becoming family of God. Another author calls counterfeit hospitality, hospitality conditional hospitality. We're hospitable to our own kind of people. Now, counterfeit and conditional hospitality is, is what Jesus so forcefully confronts in our gospel reading. I'd recommend to you reading those verses again and, and think about those verses in light of hospitality. They speak a word, a powerful, strong word to us. And friends, if we're honest, then I hope in the moment of coming to church and, and we're all here and gathered in the presence of God, that we can be honest with ourselves. 
We all struggle with conditional and counterfeit hospitality. I know I do. I know that there are times where I, <laughs> oftentimes it's just I don't want to be hospitable at all. <laughs> and friends, I need and we all need our hearts to be changed by the God who is infinitely hospitable and generous. Now, you might be thinking, and I, I grant this, that this, this is a, a thought that's probably popped in some of your heads, that conditional hospitality is actually wise and safe. We live in dark times, after all. We need to look out for our own first. Maybe take care of those outside later. Now, friends, the story of Ruth also took place in dark times. Much darker than our own, I would grant, I would suppose, propose to you. It was the time when everyone did what was right in their own eyes, when chaos reigned. And yet, in the story of Ruth, God reveals to us a different way to live, a different economy, a different way of life in a dark time. He shows us the way of generous hospitality. So the story of Ruth is, is pretty well known, and we, we just heard the, the, the narrative read, and so I'm not going to dwell too much on it. We'll, we'll hit some high points as we go through the, our three questions. But we should note that in the grand scheme of things, Ruth's story is a pretty mundane narrative. I mean, basically, the story of chapter two is a generous landover, landowner provides for a hungry woman and her mother-in-law. But God reveals himself in the most ordinary and unsuspecting of circumstances. So we turn to our three questions. What does this reveal about God? Where is God at work in this story? In chapter two, we see God at work in at least three ways. Now the first way is actually at the end of chapter one, where Ruth and Naomi arrive at Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. The, the return to, just a brief summary, the return to uh, the land was, was begun. Uh, Ruth and Naomi decided to go back to the land when they heard that the Lord had brought food back to Bethlehem. And he brought them back at the perfect time. The other time another time that we see God show up is actually in the very fact that Ruth can go to a stranger's field and gather food for herself and Naomi. I don't think we would see that in many places. The reason they can do that is because God, in the law of Moses, made it a rule that, the, that landowners were supposed to leave the grain that fell in certain portions of the field for the poor and the widows and the sojourners. I think Ruth and Naomi fulfilled all three of those categories. This is God's generous hospitality. And finally, we see God's generous hospitality in Boaz himself as he abundantly provides for Ruth. In all three of these ways, we see God revealing himself as the source and cause of Ruth and Naomi's blessing. And in this narrative, God reveals that he is generous and hospitable. But that's probably not how we all imagine God, if we're honest. I think people probably more often imagine God is more like a limited, stingy, maybe a little greedy local deity. A big Santa Claus who keeps tally of your right and your wrong. A, a counselor in the sky who's maybe just there when you need a little, little up. An abstract higher power. Imagine if the God in Ruth 
or some pagan or local deity like Zeus or Baal. This god would have needed to be appeased or manipulated. Sacrifice and soothsaying would have been required to get the land to produce its fruits and to find the right field. Friends, contrary to this, the story and the story of Ruth, God generously and freely acts to bring about his good and gracious will. Ruth and Naomi didn't do anything for God to show up and provide. How can this God in the book of Ruth be this kind of God? For us to confess this as the Christian God, we need to, um, we believe, we confess that, that he gives and provides for his creation freely and graciously. And to confess that, to believe that as Christians, we, we hold, have to hold to really, two really important theological realities. And these are the, the two realities, that God and creatures are totally different. And that God in his goodness freely created the world out of nothing. All right, friends, buckle up. This is going to get deep, and we're going really high here. So hold on. This is some really important stuff for us to know, and that grounds the whole reality of God's hospitality. So the first theological reality, Christians believe, if you can confess the creed, you've said, you know, Jesus is Lord and Savior, you believe this, whether you know it or not, that there's a very hard and fast distinction between God the creator and the creation. One of my favorite uh, Anglican theologians, John Webster, says it this way. The difference between creator and creature is infinite, not just very great. Some, now, some religions believe um, that God is part of the created world, or he's the soul of the universe. He's the force that goes through all of us. I'm just thinking of Star Wars there. Uh, this, is, this is not the God of Scripture. God exists in himself apart from and with no necessary connection to the created world. He is wholly self-sufficient, free, and perfect. Now, friends, this doesn't mean that he is a distant God. It means that he is different than all of us. So, you might ask, all right, Ethan, that's, that's a nice thought. Where is this in Scripture? Exodus 3.14, we see this in, in God, who re, when God reveals his special name. I am who I am. His name reveals that he is self-existent, perfect, and eternal. No one else can simply say, I am who I am. In a passage from the New Testament, when Jesus is praying to his Father, he says in John 17.5, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you, before the world existed. What this tells us is that before creation, before anything else existed, God was in his perfect triune relationship. It means that from eternity to eternity, God is abundantly joyful and infinitely self-sufficient in his perfect life. God's perfection isn't some sterile existence. It's abundant, joyful, infinite life. In the light of the whole witness of Scripture, we confess that divine, the divine perfect life is of God is the life of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who are perfectly one God in three persons. This is what 
sets God apart from the rest of the created world that he made. He is perfect good. There is no thing like God because God is not a thing. He is the creator of all things. Now, friends, imagine the most joyful moment in your life and stretch it to infinity past and infinity future, and you still haven't scratched the surface of the infinite joy and life of God. And what's so amazing about this God that we worship is that he doesn't keep it to himself. And that brings us to our second theological reality. Out of this infinite and perfect life of God, God in his goodness freely wills to create the universe out of nothing. Now this, this logically follows from the fact that God is the creator. God, before God created, nothing else existed. It was just God. God created everything out of nothing, and that's, that's what it means to be created, to be made out of nothing, to be contingent. And he creates not because he needs us, not because he's some lonely deity on some planet elsewhere wanting creatures to rule and reign over. No. But because he desires to share his perfect goodness with creatures. If God were a human or some you know, deity like Baal or Zeus, he would maybe keep that love to himself. Or he would expect some very exacting payment for the privilege of sharing in his life. But God in his infinite freedom and goodness creates the world out of nothing and gives life as a total gift. Again, where is this in scripture? We get, this hint, we get a hint of this in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Something out of nothing. And 1 Corinthians 8, 6, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, for whom, from whom all things and for whom we exist. And one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Friends, the whole world exists in and is sustained by the perfect, infinite, personal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we just went to the limits of human understanding and comprehension. Thank you for holding on with me. What does this have to do with Ruth, you might be asking? <laughs> it's a good question. That's what I'm getting to. The reality that out of God's abundant and perfect life, God freely and lovingly created the universe out of nothing means that everything, friends, everything we have is a gift. Every aspect of our life is a gift. And it's not a gift like the count conditional and counterfeit hospitality. It's an infinite, unconditional gift. Just the very existence you have is a gift. And in the story of Ruth, God reveals himself as the God who gives and providing for the needs of Ruth and Naomi freely and graciously. From eternity, he is the God who gives in, in utter generosity and hospitality. And that is what Ruth shows us today in the very simple story. And what is the, the second question we now ask is, what does the story tell us about Jesus? And to answer that question, we, we turn to the character of Boaz. Now, Boaz's generosity, care, and self-giving is famous. He cares for Ruth. He gives her more than she needs, prays for her, protects and feeds her. She is 
when, Bo- when uh, Ruth comes to Boaz, she is empty. When she leaves him, she is full. Now, when I've, I've heard this passage on Boaz preached, it's usually in the mode of something like this. Well, you know, be like Boaz, or Boaz a true gentleman, or this is my favorite. Be a Boaz, not a bozo. <laughs> I heard that preached in my, at college once. That was, that was a sermon. Nope. Now, friends, Boaz is not a man who is simply worth imitating because he is good and generous. As Ruth was a figure of Jesus' self-sacrifice in chapter 1, Boaz is a figure and type of Jesus' self-giving, generous hospitality. Boaz's hospitality and generosity foreshadows, points towards God's ultimate expression of generous hospitality in the incarnation, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Out of God's infinite life and love, God the Father sent his eternal and only begotten Son to save humanity from sin and give humanity the ultimate gift, a gift beyond just the creation of the world, the gift of eternal life and fellowship with God. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and like Boaz, he came proclaiming Yahweh's blessing. Like Boaz noticing Ruth in the field and going to her, Jesus saw the needs of the whole world and came to the world to give us himself. In love and generosity, he emptied himself to the point of death so that we could be filled with the fullness of life. As St. Athanasius said, and Father Caleb quoted last week, God the Son became what we are so that we could become what he is. Just as Boaz gave Ruth more than she could ask or need, so Jesus gives, gave everyone who believes in him more than we can ask or imagine. Boaz gave Ruth water, and Jesus gives us the water of life himself. Boaz gave Ruth bread and wine, and Jesus gives us himself as the bread of life. For everything in Jesus' life was about giving. Jesus, just think about John 3.16, or all the miracles he did. Jesus came and poured out his life for us. Everything that Jesus did demonstrates that he is the God who gives. And in Jesus' death and resurrection, the heart of God is put on full display. God the Father gave his Son for the world so that we could be filled with the life of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Boaz's generous hospitality to Ruth and Naomi points us to Jesus' ultimate generous hospitality. And as Ruth threshed the grain, her grain and walked home, her heart was full of joy and hope, even as her arms were filled with the fruit of Boaz's generous hospitality. So what does this passage teach us about humanity? How is humanity called to respond to to the generous hospitality of God in creation and redemption? To answer this question well, we need to remind ourselves of the human condition under the reign of sin. The the, uh, first chapter of Ruth ended with Naomi crying out to God, saying that she is bitter and empty. 
And I suggest to you today that that's a small image of the human condition. We are bitter and empty. But oftentimes we don't realize this and try to avoid it. And we do this by what St. Augustine has called being curved in, our, in on ourselves. We are self-consumed, self-obsessed, hoping that would fill the void. David Roseberry, an Anglican pastor and the author of Giving Up, an excellent book on generosity, calls this selfie theology. Selfie theology. By which he means that the belief that everything, including God, revolves around us. I am the center of the universe. Selfie theology is what drives counterfeit and conditional hospitality. If you think about counterfeit and conditional hospitality as the branches, selfie theology is the tree and the roots. It is hospitality that is about the self. Now, friends, it's pretty easy to look at society and see how this selfie theology dominates much of the world we live in. Social media is about self-promotion and self-image. We project our best selves into the stratosphere of the internet, hoping that someone will approve of us. It's easy to say, oh, it's out there, that's their problem, but it infects the church as well. We come to church thinking that it's about us, our desires, our needs, our preferences. We expect God to show up and do what we want. Everything revolves around us, even God. Sometimes we might even pray, come Holy Spirit, but maybe only on our conditions. Only how we expect. We show up at God's table with conditions on his hospitality. Friends, I say this to all of us because we are all immersed in selfie theology. We all want what we want when we want it, no matter the cost. Why? Why? Why are we like that? Why are we like that even when we try to be our best selves? Because we think is the way to make us happy. We think that selfie theology will make us full. But when we are the center of reality, we are actually bitter and empty, always trying to fill the void that never seems to stay full. And that's not how it's supposed to be. This is the human condition. No matter what age you are, what social bracket you come from, no matter where you live, you struggle with selfie theology. So what hope is there? In verses 18 through 23 of Ruth chapter 2, Ruth receives the utter generosity of Boaz and goes home with enough food for months. Ruth went to the field empty and, and comes home full. And she shows, she literally presents the good news to Naomi. And Naomi tells her how good the news truly is. Out of the abundance of Boaz's generosity, Ruth and Naomi preach to one another the good news of God's provision and give to one another a new hope and life. The story of Ruth and Naomi receiving the generous hospitality of Boaz is a picture of how bitter and empty humanity should receive the gift of life from the God who gives us his life. God breaks upon our selfie theology 
which says that God is there to meet my needs and reveals to us who he truly is. He is the God who gives us his infinite life as a free gift in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the infinite gift that fills us up to overflowing. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we're totally accepted and loved. That bitter emptiness is filled. The search for fulfillment is brought to an end, and we meet Jesus and hear that we are truly and totally and absolutely loved. And friends, when we live into our, our identity in Christ, and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we begin to live as Jesus lived. Because we are full with the life of God, we can share and give that life to others. Like Ruth and Naomi, when we receive the good news and are filled to overflowing, we share it with each other and with others. As we share it with others, God's infinite generosity spreads. The hospitality of God begins to change our lives and the lives of those around us. I think uh, we can all agree that there is just simply enough conditional and counterfeit hospitality to go around in our world. There is enough selfie theology and consumerism in the world. We've had enough of me time. We've had enough of looking out for our own interests. We've had enough of our preferences and our desires. We've had enough of conditional hospitality. Friends, I am tired of being, feeling empty and bitter. And God has given us his unconditional, generous hospitality. We are invited to receive it. Accept Jesus as the infinite God, gift of God and be filled to overflowing so that you can give yourself, your time, your money, your talents to others unconditionally, genuinely, as Christ did for us. Friends, we must daily receive Christ as Lord. We must continually receive the filling of the Holy Spirit. We must receive God's grace and word and sacrament to practice genuine hospitality. We're always in need of being filled up, but we must be filled up by the true source of life. We are filled up with the gifts of God so that we can flow with the generosity of God to others. So we receive, how do we overflow? Friends, there are so many simple, easy ways and difficult ways to share God's generous hospitality with others that we've received Simply giving your, your gifts and your time and, and talent to the mission of the church. Faithfully giving 10% of your income to the church is a sign of receiving God's generous hospitality. You can open your home to other church members you don't know. And preach the gospel to one another in hospitality. You can invite your neighbors over for dinner. Just a time to hang out. Not to impress them. Not to get them to invite you back. But to share life with them. We show God's generous hospitality when we pray for our neighbors. And friends, this is a part of we f where we feel like God is calling Emmanuel Church to be generously hospitable to those around us. And 
We're doing that through things like the Holy Smoke cook-off, and that's a way to show God's generous hospitality. Alpha is all about hospitality, showing others how much God loves them. All of these are simple, quiet, practical ways, ways to share what we've received. And friends, I imagine that as, as we meditate on God's generous hospitality, and he will show us more and new ways for us to share with others. Because that is the kind of God he is. He is the God who gives. From Pentecost onwards, the church changed the world. The church that we are in, the church of Jesus Christ. Not through marketing schemes or strategic initiatives or best laid plans, but through generous hospitality to everyone, no exceptions, no conditions. This is the life that Jesus lived for us. This is the life that Jesus gives us through the Spirit. Will you live the life that is already yours? Let us be filled with the generous hospitality of God so that we can share generously with others. Let us pray. Abba, Father, we thank you that you are the God who gives. We praise you that you gave us your one and only eternal son to give us life so that we can have true life. We thank you that you fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we can give what we receive out of the abundance of your infinite, perfect, beautiful life. We pray that you would send us, fill us up, help us to receive, and help us to give to others. We pray this all in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.